0: Welcome to episode 3 of A Good Walk Spoiled with me Ross Evans And me Phil Perrin This is part 2 of our Bristol Biamble. amble amble Yeah, an amble in two parts Ah oh, I see, a double stroller That's not a tandem pushchair. This time, we're walking a more northerly route across the city, again inspired by the Bristol Heritage Walk, Leaflet, still available in the local tourist information office. We've added extra
1: stops and information, and if you're listening on the website, don't forget, you can see pictures from the day. You can also follow us on Twitter, at GWSpod, and join in with the history hijinks. So let's join ourselves at the start of our walk at the site of one of Bristol's oldest hospitals. Oh, and if you're following in our footsteps, be warned, there's a high hill count.
0: You're late! (laughs)
1: Hello and welcome to Bristol! This is part two of our doubleheader. The first part is available at agoodwalksboard.co.uk, and don't forget our Twitter handle at gwspod. This time we're walking a more northerly route around the city. We're standing on the former site of St Bartholomew's Hospital next to a bronze statue called the Cloaked Horseman by David Backhouse. Behind us is a busy main road leading through the city centre. To our right is a row of Georgian houses and to our left is mm, a nondescript 80s office block, red, <laughs> red brick, tinted glass, you've uh,
0: you got the picture. Carrying on from Walk 1, a few more famous people hailing from Bristol. Damien Hurst, the artist. Damien Hurst and the crystal skull.
1: And what's the cash? Julie Burchill. Firebrand journalist. And
0: Blackbeard the pirate. Edward Teach was his name. I think he was from around here, here or hereabouts. There's a few drops of moisture on my tablet screen this morning. It's drizzly.
1: It's as if a cloud has made its way into a bowl, Bristol the Bowl, and just sat there. It's sat. It can't get out. Making everything wet. Like a spider in the bath, it's having trouble getting out. But it really doesn't want to leave, does it? No. It's deriving a lot
0: of pleasure from making everyone sodden. It's a nine-point walk today, mostly uphill to the top of Park Street up to Brandon Hill Park and then down towards the centre, finishing at Bristol Cathedral. Off to point number one, the Christmas steps. And to get there,
1: we're going to have to navigate through the underpass beneath the aforementioned office block. Hold your nose, watch your wallet. I had for breakfast this morning a chilli
0: and cheese panini from Mazda. A chilli and cheese, or chilli and cheese? Is it cheese from chilli, or is it chilli with cheese? Chilli and cheese. Oh, dear. Well, that's not a morning food. No, well, the point is, I'm feeling that now.
1: Oh, great. Oh, great. My stomach feels like a a traction engine at the Dorset Steam Fair. (laughs) Point number one. We're at the bottom of the Christmas Steps, which is a steep, narrow alleyway punctuated by stairs branching out towards the top. Like a funnel. Before us lies a narrow cobbled alleyway. On either side of us there are old Georgian buildings which now house a variety of independent shops. Just to the right of the foot of the steps is an imposing Gothic archway with large wrought iron gates. This arch is the only surviving section of the almshouse and hospital dedicated to St Bartholomew, built in the early 13th century. That's alms as in A-L-M-S. Almshouse. That's, that's correct, yeah.
0: A place for poor people to live. It's not a... Call cool to arms. No, it's it's not a an arsenal for poor people. Militia keeping weapons. No. It's... The gun of choice for the poor is the AK-47. <laughs> Phil's rattling a set of keys that are attached to the Iron Gate.
1: They look medieval. I'm not sure if they are. What I do know is that this is a major security risk if they are the keys to the gate.
0: Oh, actually, don't worry, you don't
1: need keys to get in because they've butchered a numerical keypad into the Gothic arch just under the archivolts.
0: Archivolt Archivolt It's an architectural term If only we knew the founding date of the arms House, We'd have the code to get in the front door <laughs> <laughs> The chip shop next door Is an excellent example of a 17th century timber framed building and it's Tudor-esque Black and white It's kind of
1: lopsided It looks drunk It looks like it's just staggered out of the pub next door The pub which
0: is called the Christmas Steps We're at the base of them We're going to walk up them It's a narrow cobbled alleyway, and on either side of us there are old Georgian buildings which now house a variety of independent shops, and as I'm talking, we're walking uphill. We're ascending. We're making our ascension?
1: Ascent. We're making our ascent. Ascension, that's a religious holiday, isn't it?
0: On the left we have a trendy barber, and on the right we've got a rental shop. 20th century flicks which used to I used to live right next to that used to be up in Clifton but they've moved it down here and you can rent all kinds of DVDs it's a little bit like
1: Diagon Alley
0: that's Harry Potter
1: yes JK Rowling she was born in Yate
0: just outside of Bristol hang on isn't that Ron Weasley coming out of the trendy barbers (laughs) with an undercut As the weather's taking a turn for the worse, the rain really is coming down a bit now. I can tell you the origin of the name Christmas Steps is unknown, but there's a theory that uh, in the medieval period, it was known as Knifsmith Street after the traders there. I had a bit of a problem pronouncing that because it's spelt K-N-Y-F-E-S-M-Y-T-H. The Middle English pronunciation with the word K sounded may be the origin of the name Christmas Steps. Knifsmith sounds like Christmas. That's... I, th- I believe that's the theory. I think a theory it shall stay. During the English Civil War, Colonel Henry Lunsford was shot through the heart at the top of the Christmas steps about where we're standing now, assaulting the city for the Royalists in 1643. For a while after, they were called Lunsford Stairs in his honour. And we're going to come back to the Civil War a bit later on this walk. But for now, we're going to finish off the Christmas steps up, the last few steps here, and take a little hook around to our left. Our next point is the Chapel of the Three Kings of Cologne. It's been less a walk, more of a climb so far. A good climb spoilt. We've covered about the same distance, vertically probably, that you do. If you're entertaining in the garden and you've got a barbecue and you need to nip to the toilet, we've walked about that far. Pop to the kitchen. Half-time at the football, I'm going to make a cup of tea. I'm going to pop to the kitchen. A climb and a pop. The half-time football cup of tea is one of the big energy spikes. The the country's energy usage goes way off the scale. It's the H-bomb of energy spikes. Oh, World Cup. Half-time cups of tea. Half-time in the World Cup. World Cup, FA Cup. That and popular episodes of Coronation Street. As soon as the adverts roll, everyone goes... And then we have to panic buy energy from France to fill in the gaps. Deirdre going to prison.
1: We're standing outside point number two, the chapel of the three kings of Cologne. It's in the grounds of the John Foster Arms House.
0: There's a courtyard in front of us which is now a garden and surrounding us on three sides are the almshouses, red brick almshouses. John Foster
1: was a medieval Bristol merchant who often travelled to Germany. Incorporated into his almshouse is the Chapel of the Three Kings of Cologne which is a dedication to the original chapel in Cologne Cathedral. On the side of the chapel are three recesses
0: containing statues of the Three Kings. The Nativity Kings. Well, I say nativity kings. I think they were made famous by Christmas. Christmas really was a good career move, going to Bethlehem and turning up, uh, taking a chance uh, in the stable. Anyway, they're holding gold, frankincense and myrrh, uh, I presume. The man in the middle has got a crown. Is that gold? A gold crown? A gold crown. Mm. The guy on the right has got some sort of vase, I think. Maybe that's the frankincense. And the guy on the left,
1: he seems to be holding uh, a butternut squash. Uh, I wonder what version of the Bible that's in? <laughs> Mistranslated. Tyndall's first attempt. There's also a plaque by the front gate of the almshouse which reads Dr George Owen, physician to King Henry VIII added to the endowment in 1553. Physician to Henry VIII?
0: Goodness. My God. What a job that was. That's a busy man. In later life, that man needed a constant doctor. That's, that's a permanent on-site residency. At its most extreme, Henry VIII's waist measured 51 inches. Exactly the same height as Queen Victoria. That's a lie. (laughs) He was as, as wide as she was high, but he wasn't. Okay, we're off to our next stop up another hill, past the Ship Inn on a road called Lower Park Row. To point number three, it's the Red Lodge. There's a large group of men coming towards us. They're all wearing boots. We're recording a podcast, what are you doing? Walking. How? No, oh. no, no fun. No. no? Keep walking, keep walking.
1: Not allowed to talk? It's all secret. That's some, seems like they're tap dancers walking down the road. But they weren't allowed, they wouldn't talk to us.
0: <laughs> and now we'll never know, the mystery of the booted men. <laughs> We've arrived at our next destination. It's the Reg Lo- the Reg Lodge. Who's Reg Lodge? Is he a... He's a character in The Bill, I think, isn't he? Point number three, the Red Lodge. Situated next to a busy thoroughfare, otherwise known as Park Row. Or the B4051. <laughs>
1: The Red Lodge was built by John Young in 1590 as one of the lodges to his great house. Uh, now, a bit of topography. His great house was at the bottom of the hill that we're standing on, on the site of what is now Colston Hall. So that's his house at the bottom and we're at the top by his lodge. Right, got it. What was the lodge for? It was constructed as a guest house, and entertainment pavilion, so the Young family could wine and dine their guests.
0: A bit like a rich American family with a pool house. Exactly. Or a ski lodge. I read here that Queen Elizabeth I once stayed at Young's Great House in 1574 and not at the lodge, at the house. At the big one, not the little one.
1: Yeah, you couldn't put her in the lodge. No, no. That'd be like having the Queen over and putting her on a Z bed in the conservatory. (laughs) Don't worry, Your Majesty,
0: it's got blinds and a heater. In uh, in 1854, Mary Carpenter, a Victorian educational and social reformer, set up the first ever girls' reformatory here with the help of Lady Byron. It encapsulated Carpenter's progressive ideas for the improvement of the nation's poor and was in stark contrast to the workhouses and prisons that were the common solution in the Victorian era.
1: Did you know whilst she was transforming the Red Lodge into a working reformatory, she found a human foot in an outhouse? The Red Lodge is now a museum, charting all its history. It's free and it's well worth a visit, but it's closed because we're too early. It's Sunday morning and it opens at 11.
0: It also commands excellent views of Bristol. Well, actually, there's an NCP car park in there right now.
1: (laughs) We're now off to our next destination, which is the Wills Memorial Building and the City Museum. Grouped together, you say, yes, we shall explain all.
0: (laughs) We're in motion. Let me draw your attention, Phil, as we're walking to the Wills Memorial building. Just across the road is a building there. That Those guys obviously know it. It's a, it's a synagogue, but it's hidden away. It's tucked around the corner, you see. You wouldn't know it was there? No. As we're getting closer to the Wilson Memorial building, across the road from us is a plaque to the dog from the HMV symbol. Nipper, Nipper the dog. Used to live across the road. In fact, Phil is so interested by this that he's just careered across several lanes of traffic to go and have a look at it.
1: I see there's a blue plaque on the side of the wall. I'm always intrigued by a plaque. It confirms what you just said, Ross. A nipper from 1884 to 1895 was employed as a scenic
0: designer in the old Prince's Theatre in <laughs> Park That's the guy who owned the dog. That's not the dog. Nipper, you've, Nipper. you've read the plaque, it, you started at the bottom and read the plaque wrong. It was Mark, Mark Barrod who did that, it's his dog. Along with the blue plaque around the side
1: of the house where I presume the entrance used to
0: be, a, atop a plinth is
1: a Bunnith stone representation
0: of Nipper, it looks like. It's not a very good representation, is it? Is that definitely supposed to be a dog?
1: <laughs> Nipper, as far as I remember, is a Jack Russell. Yeah. That looks like a... It looks like a sow. That's what that looks like. <laughs> Points numbers four and five. We're standing at the top of Park Street. The Wills Memorial Building is on our right, the City Museum on our left. We've grouped them together, here we go, because they were built by the same
0: family. The Wills family. Firstly, point number four, the Wills Memorial Building. It's Bristol's third highest building It's completed in 1925 And it's been called The last great Gothic building To be constructed in England It's concrete inside But faced with bath and clipsum stone Built as a memorial To Henry Overton Wills III By his sons George and Henry Wills uh, Henry Overton Wills Was a tobacco magnate WD and HO Wills Became Imperial Tobacco It's the fourth largest tobacco company In the world It's also the home of the university The most visible embodiment Of the University of Bristol It's not just the tower, you see. There's a huge castle-like, crenellated buildings next to it, which I think are the Earth Sciences buildings. It's a whopper. And if you ask the University Porter very nicely, you can go in and have a look around the lobby. I'd emphasise the word very nicely. University Porters tend to be, from my experience at least, grumpy people on a good day. Militant. (laughs) Militantly grumpy. Incorporated into the huge archway that is the entrance are small statues of the nine muses, the daughters of Zeus. Yes, I see they're just
1: above the archivolt.
0: Okay, what is the archivolt? <laughs>
1: it's a band of mouldings around the curve of an arch. Right. They're quite prominent. You might have seen them on the
0: entrance to the Natural History Museum in London. I thought it was an archaic unit of electrical measurement. I brought him to life with six archivolts. <laughs> but it's not. We're going, to take refuge. We're going to take refuge inside the entrance to uh, the Wills Memorial Building because the weather is now so bad that I can't really see anymore. It's definitely taking a turn for the worse. Stood in the shelter here. We're having
1: trouble seeing the bottom of Park Street. Mm. Would you say it's tipping it down?
0: I wouldn't quite say it was tipping it down. Uh, torrential. <laughs> We're supposed to be outside looking at the city museum, which is about 30 seconds from where we are, which is huddled in the doorway of the Wills Memorial building. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm going to run into the foyer. We're going to have to make a run for it Yeah. at some point. You first. Do you notice know, this is the last day of the Scott expedition? Titus
1: Oates-esque. I'm going now, I may be some time. Goodbye. Inside. I'm going outside. I'm out, I'm making a run for it.
0: Phil's gone. At some point, because he's on a radio mic, I imagine the signal at some point will will die out. I don't know. No, I can still hear you. I've got my headphones on.
1: I've made it to the glass foyer outside the museum entrance.
0: I'm in. I've survived. I can tell you now that the rest of the walk's been called off uh, because the weather's so bad. Point number five, the
1: City Museum and Art Gallery. Also built, as we said, by the Willows family. Let's step into the museum proper and have a look around. Let's do that. Walking up some ornate marble stairs. Brass handles.
0: It's got the door. Thank you. We're in the central lobby of the museum. Now, it's a light and spacious space with a mezzanine floor running above us. It's a nice contrast to the mayhem outside. Suspended from the ceiling above us, is an early plane, it's called a box kite. Box kite planes were officially known as Bristol biplanes and were produced by the British and Colonial Aeroplane Company. It's an early 20th century example of an aeroplane.
1: The working replica above us was built for the film Those Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines 1965. During filming, no one could get it to leave the ground. It was then discovered that the original pilot weighed just over six stone. So, they hired a female pilot Joan Hughes
0: and she successfully flew the plane throughout the production there's lots of different exhibitions you can go and have a look at on our left's the natural history wing on our right the Egyptology wing you can see the oldest mummy that's currently on display in the UK inside the Egyptology wing there's one of the best collections of Chinese glass outside of Asia I have here and an art gallery upstairs there's even a Banksy there is yes it's an upturned paint bucket over the
1: top of a statue's head an angel's head mm. Oh, and Rembrandt's upstairs. It's a
0: self-portrait when he was aged 63. Last year of his life. Really? Is that true? It is, yeah. I just read it on the monitor at the front. (laughs) We're going to about turn now, thrust open the doors of the museum and pray that the weather has calmed down, that that God has turned up and tranquilised the cloud. A weather sedative. (laughs) Bristol Museum is free to enter and I, for one, would highly recommend it. Get ready, point number six. We're on our way. SITREP. Weather hasn't improved. SITREP? SITREP is short for Situation Report, but I think they use it a lot in the US military. DEFCON? That's another one. Oh yes, Defence Readiness Condition. 5 to 1, I think is. LERTCON? LERTCON? LERTCON. Sounds like an alien from Star Trek. (laughs) Hailing frequencies open, Captain. We have the LERTCONs on Channel 2. LERTCON is Alert Condition. Ah. Military conflict abbreviations, I think you'd say. Point number six, we've arrived. It's Barclay Square. I say that excitedly, I, I like Georgian architecture very much and so I'm quite excited to be in Berkeley
1: Square. We're standing in a park in the middle of a small Georgian town square. There's rows of houses around all four sides, a few trees, benches. Actually, there's a couple of wheelie bins. Numbers 12 to 18, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> were destroyed during the Blitz, and later
0: rebuilt, maintaining the same facade. The construction of Barclay Square started in 1787, but the most interesting thing about this square is that John Loudon Macadam lived at number 23 and number 29. Not at the same time, I don't think. No, that'd be decadent. He was the inventor of the macadamisation of roads, which is the modern method of road construction. It's done by raising the road surface from the outlying land using a solid bank of large stones, which is then covered by a compressed layer of smaller stones and gravel, which is cambered to allow drainage. The man invented the modern road and he lived here. I think (laughs) that's very interesting.
1: What I think is more interesting is that this is not the Barclay Square from the song A Nightingale (laughs) Sang In Barclay Square. Right. (laughs) sung by Frank Sinatra and others, Bobby Darin, Twiggy, Vera Lynn,
0: Rod Stewart, Nat King Cole, Glenn Miller, Perry Como, Robert Lindsay, Jonathan Majurier. Robert Lindsay sung A Nightingale Sang In Barclay Square. And Jean Le Mesuré. Did I get that correct? Both Robert Lindsay of My Family fame and Jean Le Mesuré have sung... That's the end of the sentence, have sung. That's incredible. Every member of the cast of Dad's Army and
1: My Family have released a version of A Nightingale Sang in Barclay Square.
0: The the first macadamised road was... I'm just going to... make. Ignore that now and keep going on about (laughs) macadamisation. The first macadamised road was Marsh Road, which is next to the Ashton Gate Stadium, which is the Bristol City Stadium. So the first modern road was here in Bristol. I can also tell you that Tarmac is short for Tarmacadam. That's Barclay Square, and we've covered John Macadam. I don't mean we've tarmacked over him. I mean, well, you know.
1: (laughs) No, we've covered his work. Yeah. In homage to the great man, we're now going to take one of his inventions, the road... Up to our next destination, point number seven, Cabot Tower. Let's go.
0: Avante. We're just walking through Berkeley Square now. It's a bit treacherous underfoot here. It's this getting is- a bit wet and muddy. To my right, there's a discarded spirit bottle. It wouldn't be a city centre square without alcohol-based litter. Just walking past
1: some of the houses in Barclay Square, they don't look like their houses anymore. They might have flats at the top, but they look a
0: lot like dentists, physiotherapists. Lawyers. Lawyers. It's a short walk, this, to Cabot Tower, which stands in Brandon Hill, which is a park on a hill. In fact, it is a hill. It's too steep to build on, thus it's a park. There's a lot of those in Bristol. We're in the foothills of Brandon Park. (laughs) In the foothills? Yep. Walking up the zigzag path to the top of the hill. Quite a trek. I'd like to know the total elevation of today's walk. We've been uphill and down dale. We've made it a base camp. Yep. <laughs> we'll, take, uh, we'll take a week or so to acclimatise. Before the final push. Hang on, did you pack the oxygen? Your lips are gone blue.
1: Point number seven, Cabot Tower. It's a 105-foot red sandstone tower with a viewing platform towards the top. The tower was constructed in 1897 to mark the 400th anniversary of John Cabot's discovery of America. A lift was planned but was never
0: installed. It hasn't got a lift? Nope. Well, I'm not not going up another 105 feet after that walk. (laughs) Don't worry, it's got stairs. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't talking about, you know, climbing the outside of the tower. Crampons. Crampons in hand. I didn't bring the oxygen, but I've got my grappling hook.
1: Okay, uh, what we're going to do now is get inside because the wind is kicking up. Well, that's quite a go. Let's take refuge inside the base of the tower at the foot of the stairs, and hopefully the wind will be a little bit
0: quieter. We're inside. The huddling continues. You might be able to hear the echoey sounds of people Going up and down the staircase, I can tell you that it's built close, Cabot Tower, to the original shrine of Saint Brendan the Navigator, the patron saint of boatmen, mariners, travellers, elderly adventurers, and whales. Is that whales as in whales or whales as in? I think uh, I think it's I think it's whales as in. What? Well, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think we've uh, we've made a nuisance of ourselves now sailors will come to the shrine before leaving to pray for a safe voyage you see and that's on the site of where or approximately on the site of where we're now standing uh, a lot of people going in and out Good afternoon. afternoon all right someone coming down the there's stairs. someone coming down so we're right. going
1: to go up but there's someone coming down all right nope. right let's go we're venturing up hello Thanks. <laughs> thank you spiral staircase all the way to the top
0: ross is pining for the lift there's a door where the lift should be i think <coughs> it's a very narrow staircase this uh, it's uh... and it gets narrower we've just been told can you still hear me ross I can, i'm with you yeah
1: and through the gate at the top
0: <sighs> oh my knees we're here what a sight we're lucky that the weather's miraculously cleared. Almost from the base to the top, it's got a lot better. We can see most of Bristol. I think that's the very definition of a three hundred and sixty-degree view. There's actually two viewing platforms on Cabot Tower. We're on the top one, facing we're south. We're facing south. Yeah, you can see, see the CSS Great Britain. Indeed, Ashton Gate. Yep. Ah, the first modern road. We can see the football stadium down there somewhere. as the first modern road. So we go yeah. next one. Open the gate. We're at the top of the tower. We're going to try. We're going to mingle with some of the tourists that are are sharing the viewing platform with us.
1: Are they all tourists?
0: Some of the visitors? Yeah. Oh yeah, we're recording a podcast, would you like to say a few words? No. <laughs> no? Hello. Hi. It's the first time I've done a podcast. <laughs> uh, are, you, are you from Bristol? Are you visiting? I'm visiting. We're visiting. He's from London. I'm from uh, Leighton Buzzard. Yeah, we can just see the SS Great Britain over there and we just walked from there to here yeah. and it took us forever and it nearly killed us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good exercise. Dead down there. <laughs> the exercise is good. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank it you. Cheers. We are from, from Thailand. Thailand. From Thailand? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful country. And uh, how are you getting on? You, uh, how long have you been in Bristol? Is this your first day today? So, in the morning, we went to Bart. And then, yeah, so, yeah, he just brought us to look around yeah, the, city. From the city. City centre, and uh, City Hall, and Bristol capital. Hi there, fellas. We're recording a podcast. Would you like to say a few words? Sure. Are you interested are. in that? Yeah, sure. Are, are you from Bristol? Australia alright okay and you've you've come all the way from Australia to see Cabot Tower
1: no I haven't (laughs) where are you from because I that sounds like a very much from the Midlands (laughs) yeah I was
0: born in Birmingham
1: oh yeah. yeah You managed to shake that accent. Man, like, <laughs> I
0: didn't live, only lived there for a year. Oh, there you go, well, you dodged the bullet there. <laughs> Are you staying in Bristol a long time? Are you seeing some of the sights uh, of the city?
1: We, we used to live here and then we're just, uh, just visiting for uh, for these guys go off travelling again.
0: I, I'm admiring your moustache. You. Like a ha- handlebar moustache?
1: Yeah, well, I thought a handlebar was the other way around. Um. Yeah, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> wax. Wax, a little bit of wax, yeah.
0: Australia's got a bit of a, a reputation for can I make it do you mind if I make a joke at your expense no you can go uh, what's the difference between uh, a yoghurt and Australia and if you leave a yoghurt long enough it will develop culture we call it yoghurt <laughs> <laughs> yes I, so yes anyway great well thanks very much yeah, for talking to us enjoy the rest of your day you. you too right let's get down I don't like heights <laughs> okay down we go we're going to descend again And there we are, we're back down the bottom. We've just exited and here comes us. Brandon Hill also has the only section of the English Civil War defences which are still in existence, that you can still see. The defences were five miles in perimeter. Bristol was originally parliamentarian. but was captured by Prince Rupert for the Royalists in 1643. The Royalists held the city for two years before the parliamentarians retook it under Colonel Fairfax. When we were talking about Colonel Lunsford getting shot at the top of the steps, that was when the Royalists were charging in and, and taking it over. Top of the Christmas steps. Top of the Christmas steps, indeed, yeah. Many defences, including the castle of Bristol, were destroyed. The castle was destroyed under the order of Oliver Cromwell. And that's why Bristol doesn't have a castle. If you look down to your right, Phil, you should be able to see some lumps and bumps. In archaeology, there's two phrases everybody loves. One is, it's ritual, and the other one is, lumps and bumps. And on our right are those lumps and bumps, which are the Civil War defences. Buried now by turf. Mm. We're going to move on from our wonderful vantage point over the city of Bristol here at the top of Brandon Hill, next to Cabot Tower. We're moving on to point number eight, which is College Green. It's a 10-minute walk out the park and down Park Street. Let's start our descent. Have you got your parachute?
1: We're just descending down from Cabot Tower, and halfway down, there is a Victorian folly that has been built. And you might be able to pick up there the sound of running water. That's a little fountain.
0: Isn't that nice? I think it's a grotto, actually, rather than a folly. Yeah, we're standing on a small wooden bridge overlooking a rather stagnant, unfortunately, looking pool, but it's a lovely, lovely little grotto. It smells a little stagnant. Branaghill is, of course, famous for its squirrels, Ross. Oh, yeah. Famous, you say?
1: Famous. Well, it is now. I saw it on a television programme just a few nights ago. It was an animal program with uh, BBC presenter Chris Packham. He was actually here, on location, Mm. and he was talking of how the squirrels of Brandon Hill are sneaky. Oh yeah. They hide their nuts and pretend to hide their nuts from each other. They pretend to hide their nuts? They've learned to pretend to hide nuts.
0: Why why have they done that?
1: So their brethren think that they can go and steal them, and then they get to the place where
0: they think the nuts are hidden, and there's nothing there! (laughs) Ha ha! Oh, there's one. Look, just to our right. Very close proximity. There is a squirrel with a nut in his mouth. They're extremely tame. You can actually feed them by hand. I think you should try. Who's going to try and feed a squirrel? It's getting closer. He's, I'd say, four foot from the squirrel. The squirrel is... That's not four foot. I'm at least two feet. The squirrel is... I'll try and interview him. Hang on. It... No, he's not happy with that. He's gone. Upper a
1: tray. Did Packham manage to... Uh... Yes, by hand. Fed him by hand. The squirrel whisperer, Chris Packham. <laughs> He of course has way more experience with animals than me. We've just walked through the traditional wartime gates on the northeast side of the park onto George Street. I almost fell over there. The paving stones are they're flagstones mm. are
0: quite moss laden <laughs> yes they are I almost got done by a, a mossy flagstone. Mossy flagstone I think he was one of the early pioneers of Formula One <laughs> College Green, number eight, the penultimate point of this walk. We're at the bottom of Park Street next to the road, standing on the corner of the green by a fountain that uh, you might be able to hear in the background. In front of us is the green, an open, flat, grassy space. And across the road to our left is a row of shops. We're going to stop here for a while and talk about what we can see. College Green was originally
1: a small hill. The land was enclosed by St Augustine's Abbey in the 12th century. In 1762, the green was levelled and laid out as a raised park and has been a public space ever since. In 1991, the road running along the south side of the green was pedestrianised and grassed over. There's a great picture of what the area used to look like before they pedestrianised it. We'll put that up on the website. Today, it's mainly used by skateboarders and students pretending to revise.
0: Indeed. That's the green. Let's talk about the row of shops next to it. Oh, there's a picture of Adele in FOP, the music shop. Do you know what Adele's surname is? Nope. Adkins. There we are. Don't say you didn't learn anything in this edition of A Good Walk Spoiled. That is probably the the easiest fact to remember of the day. Ancient and modern history. Further along that line of shops, there's another music shop, Hobgoblin Music. Ah, that shop has a wonderful eclectic range of second-hand instruments from around the world. It's the only place in the south westville where you can buy a mongolian kettle drum made out of ram's teeth well above that shop is a
1: large clock which is known as langford's electric clock probably the first public clock in bristol to display gmt rather than local time if you're not sure what local time is we covered it on our first walk around bristol to keep good time with London, the clock received an electric timing pulse from Greenwich's Royal Observatory via telegraph wires. This signal was then passed on to other clocks around the city, including the cathedral and the commercial rooms on Corn Street. Actually, talking of clocks, didn't Yuri Geller once claim to have stopped
0: uh, Big Ben with the power of his mind? I, uh, I believe he did, <laughs> yes. Did he accidentally bend one of the hands as well, such, <laughs> such as his powers? Just next to the clock squeezed between two shops is the Lord Mayor's Chapel, uh, which is a very old church with a huge stained glass window visible from the road. The Lord Mayor's Chapel, also known as St. Mark's Chapel, is the only church in England owned by a local authority. It's all that remains above ground of St. Mark's Hospital, founded to tend to the sick and feed and educate the poor in about 1220. Between 1687 and 1722, it was a centre of worship for exiled French Huguenots, I'm an Huguenot. Are you? Uh, Well, not really, Uh, but the surname Perrin
1: is uh, possibly an Huguenot surname.
0: Who were the Huguenots?
1: The Huguenots were persecuted French Protestants who were kicked out of Catholic France. We don't know for certain. We need to go to France to check my Huguenot credentials. But I like the idea of my ancestors landing at Dover in a beret with a bag of lace bobbins. Lace bobbins? They're like loom weights used in the lace making process. The Huguenots were associated with lace making.
0: After the Huguenots left uh, since 1722, it has been the official place of worship for the Mayor of Bristol and his councillors after their falling out with the cathedral opposite due to their habit of leaving cathedral ceremonies after an hour and before the sermon was preached. They're probably off home for the four o'clock kick-off. Thus insulting the preacher as well as causing a commotion. Sometimes those Sunday services do tend to drag. Talking of which, our next destination... <laughs> There may well be a Sunday service at our next destination. It's our final stop on the walk today. On the opposite side of the green, it's point number nine, Bristol Cathedral. Off we go. Point number nine, Bristol Cathedral. We're outside the entrance to the cathedral. The architecture is a mixture of dates ranging from the 12th century to the late 19th century Gothic Revival. The Western Twin Towers, the most prominent feature, were completed in 1888. Ah, our old friend Gothic Revival. (laughs) Those wealthy Victorians. The cathedral was originally founded in 1140 by a wealthy merchant, Robert Fitzharding, as the Abbey Church of St. Augustine. It became a cathedral in 1542 after the dissolution of the monastery. Remember the spat we were talking about across the green at the Lord Mayor's Chapel? Long Sunday sermons, sneaking out to watch the football.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I've got another one here. In the early 17th century, there was an argument over seating when the city fathers, they were the administrators of the city, decamped to St. Mary Redcliffe Church, which is about half a mile from here, until promised an exclusive block of pews in the city cathedral.
0: Oh! They wanted front row seats. <laughs> an unimpeded view of the tabernacle. <laughs> yes, a not restricted view. We're standing in the shadow of one of the recesses of the church. Many gargoyles, statues outside. Is it yellow bath stone? Mm. A lot of the statues are quite dirty aren't they well they're dirty in parts
1: yeah they look their faces look a little bit like the famous Che guevara
0: t-shirts of uh, half of his face is in shadow half of his face isn't but you can still tell it's him do you think a they've done that on purpose and b can you buy the t-shirts in the in the cathedral shop <laughs> it's quite effective isn't it mm. So we're standing outside and looking at the huge gothic structure I can tell you, Phil, that it was used as a location in the 1978 Richard Burton film, The Medusa Touch. I don't think I've seen that one. It says, I've got it written down here, a little synopsis, where it says that Richard Burton plays a novelist with psychokinetic abilities. (laughs) Psychokinetic? He can cause disasters and commit homicide just by thinking about it. Wow,
1: that sounds like the greatest film of all time. He basically kills people he doesn't
0: like with the power of his brain. I heard that Yuri Geller was up for that role, but he failed the psychokinetic part of the audition.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he failed to bend the director's teaspoon that day.
0: (laughs) Oh, and his mind reading results, they were abysmal, also. Well, if you are a mind reader, you'll already know that that is the end of the walk and this episode of A Good Walk Spoiled.
1: And so, from Bristol Cathedral, the Che Guevara statues, and us, goodbye. Bye. There we are, Bristol part two. Don't forget to get in touch on Twitter at GWSpod or our website,
0: agoodwalkspoiled.co.uk. And join us next time when we'll be heading to Taunton in Somerset. See you then. Bye.